On whose voice we're to be listening for, here is Pastor Ed Taylor. You have to hear, conclude that's not, that doesn't sound like God, and avoid them. And certainly on so-called Christian TV today, in man-made religions and cults, we hear what they're saying, but it's not the Lord. That's not the God of the Bible. It's not the Jesus that reveals. It's not the good shepherd. And so it encourages me that I'm not even responsible to sort out all the voices. I just need to listen for one. If I listen for one, I can follow my shepherd and leave all the false ones behind. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You God's heart is to seek and save the lost, and so he calls out to us. But there are other voices competing for our attention, so we must be discerning. How do you hear the shepherd's voice? Well, today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor will help us with that. We'll be continuing a series called With. We begin with more on our new identity as God's sheep. From John chapter 10, here's Pastor Ed. Listen, when you were born again, you were adopted into the family of God. You are now a new creation. The power of God resides in you. Now you follow Jesus, the Bible says, that always leads us into victory. Always. Never a time when you follow Jesus that he doesn't lead you into victory. That you live in victory. You fight from victory. And if addiction is your issue today, God has sent me to remind you of your identity in Christ. It happened not too long ago, right before we had to go all online. After our services, we invite people up to pray, and a brother came up, and I could see on his face there was a little timidity, a little concern, and he wanted me to pray for him because he's had a lifetime of addiction, but he wanted to let me know that he was four days sober. Four days sober. But the way that he communicated it to me, he wasn't super excited about it. I could sense more of a fear that it wasn't gonna last. So I'm just four days, and, and, I'm, and I'm like, I'm excited for him. And, and I was encouraging him, four days, that is amazing, four days. Four days of the power of God to keep you sober. Four days, it wasn't because, uh, and I told him this right here, right in front of the stage. I said, it wasn't because you poured everything away. It wasn't because you decided. It wasn't because of your willpower. Four days sober is an amazing thing because day by day, moment by moment, the power of God has kept you from something that you really want to do. Not only do you really want to do it by habit, but your body's crying out for it. And yet God has shown himself strong. But not only that, at the end when I prayed for him, I put my hands on his shoulders and I looked him in the eye and I said, look, four days is monumental in your life. You have four days of sobriety that you've never had before. And for me in the power of God, I looked him in the eye and said, I've been sober for 29 years by the same power of God. Because days become weeks and weeks become months. Months become years. Years become a lifetime. A lifetime becomes a legacy. How? By the power of God. That we identify ourselves more than anything. More than where we were born. More than by our last name. More than anything by our identity in Christ. 
because he is your string. And Jesus came on the scene to declare the new covenant. It's no longer by works, but it's by his finished work. And they needed to know that because they had strayed far from God, so far that they missed Messiah, the Savior. Imagine this, they studied the Bible all day and night, forever. They knew all the prophecies about Messiah. They knew all the insights of Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. And then Jesus comes on the scene and they miss him. They're standing right in front of them. And they knew the word, but didn't know the God of the word. And that's always a tragedy. Because when we are in the word, we're learning the voice of our Savior. And it's so sweet. Notice, come back to John 10 with me. In verse 3 again, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out, verse 4, his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now, it's, it's neat because later on in verse 9, Jesus declares that he's the door. So no one's coming in and out of salvation. Nobody's going to be saved without going through the door. You can't hop the fence and you can't make your own way and you can't make up your own religion in order to be saved. Jesus declares later on in John 14 that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. You don't come through a pastor. And you don't come through a priest. And you don't come through a man-made religion. You don't come through a, an extra book or an extra teaching. Only Jesus is the door. And you come in through him and the blood that he shed for you and for me. He was sent by the Father. He's Messiah. This is it. And meanwhile, as he's the true shepherd, and this is where things get difficult, as he's the true shepherd, there are those other shepherds, he's talking to some of them right now, that are thieves and robbers and are taking advantage of the people of God. By the time Jesus came on the scene here in the first century, the religious system of Judaism was deeply corrupted. Oh, it wasn't that the worship of God was corrupted, because God is never corrupted, but man messed it up by creating their own systems. Even the high priest of this time, his family was from the sect of the Sadducees. And the Sadducees didn't even believe in the supernatural. They were only in it for the buck. They were materialists. And they were very, very wealthy. And how did they get wealthy? On the backs of the people. Taking advantage of the people. They learned a profit. Not P-R-O-P-H-E-T. They learned to profit P-R-O-F-I-T off the people's desire to worship, which is one of the most heinous sins that can be committed. To take the desire of worship and to turn it into something you rip people off. And it's still being done today. And it's so sad and hurtful. They learned to profit off the people's desire to worship, setting up in the temple courts little booths where they controlled the selling of certified quote-unquote sacrifices. Imagine families from all the surrounding villages would make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem with their animal sacrifice that they have raised or purchased for this very time, and they're ready to offer it in worship of God. But before they can get near to the priest, they have to have their, uh, their animals inspected. Oh, and guess what? Nobody's animal ever passed 
unclean, not good. I'm sorry, I know you traveled all this way and I know you can't go back. I'm sorry, you will not be able to offer this animal. But right over here, we have some animals for purchase that are already pre-approved. And of course, the prices were jacked up and they would then give the unclean animal no purpose for that. They'd go and buy. And as they went over to buy a certified animal, oh, I'm sorry, but the money that you have from your little village, that's not good here in Jerusalem. But guess what? Over on the other side, we have tables set up with men there that are ready to exchange your money. Oh, for a modest fee or an immodest fee. And remember, the money changers so infuriated Jesus in a righteous, sinless anger That that's the place where he flipped the tables and said, hey, this is to be a house of prayer, not of merchandise. When God faces man-made religion, you can see that there's a holy, righteous anger of people being ripped off and taken advantage of. This was religion in the first century. This is what will tell a man that was made, given sight, that was blind and given sight to get out. The greatest miracle I wonder if even some of these religious rulers prayed for him, perhaps. I mean, they thought it was his fault, of course, so they had no empathy, no love, no care, no concern. It's a sad state when you wander away from God and when you seek to serve God in your own strength, in your own wisdom, and your own understanding. These guys misrepresented God. And Jesus says the real shepherd, in verse 3, the real shepherd calls out to his sheep and they hear his voice. There's just something about the shepherd's voice that makes all the other voices sound hollow and empty. Somehow sheep were trained to hear the call of their own shepherd. I think it was just by proximity and care and concern. Where uh, those of you that have pets, you realize, you know, the pets will get along with others, but they really love you. They really care for you. They really know you and they know your voice. And I see that as an illustration for us as the Word of God trains us how to hear the voice of God. Because that's a big question. How do I know, Ed, whether you're, what you're saying is true? And how do I know what they're saying is true? And how do I know? Well, the Word of God gives us the voice of God. The Word of God. And you want to know the voice of God. Do you want to increase your ability to know the voice of God today? Read the Bible. Just read the Bible. Because the Bible not only gives us the words... Like, for example, if you read chapter 9, it would be a true story of a blind man who was given sight and the, guy, the religious rulers kicked him out and then Jesus started teaching. If that's all you got out of it, that is the facts. But to those that have spiritual eyes, you not only get the facts when you read the Bible, but the Spirit of God gives you the intent of the heart of the matter. This is, God's heart is to seek the unreachable. God's heart is not just to give sight to the blind, but to save souls. And you learn of the heart of God. You learn that God doesn't manipulate. He doesn't guilt. He he doesn't cast out. He, He doesn't push away. No, what do you learn? You learn that he speaks and he leads and we follow. He saves. You want more training? Read the Bible a lot more. The more you understand the Bible, the more you'll be able to understand immediately the frauds and the fakes that only want to rip you off. Jot this down in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. I love this. Luke 6, 40, Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And the training comes from the word of God. 
When you know the word of God well, then you would then compare what I say, what your pastor and leader says, by what the word of God says. You would take it and say, I heard what he said. Does the Bible say that? And does the entirety of the Bible say that? Does that Greek word really mean that? Is that the context of the time and the place? Is that what God intended? And the more you're in the Bible, the more you understand the shepherd's voice, the character and the nature of God. Not only that, another thing that blesses me here in verse 3, it says he calls his own, so that reminds me of my relationship with him. The shepherd's responsible for me, so he's going to take care of me. He's going to watch out for me. And then he leads them out, notice in verse 3. And then in verse 4, he brings out his own sheep. And notice he goes before them. The sheep follow him. That's the order. The shepherd goes ahead. The shepherd leads. And we have a simple response. We follow the leader. That's it. We follow the leader. And the leader is very clearly our shepherd. You see, I'm not your shepherd. And your pastor is not your shepherd. Together, we follow the shepherd. We're just under shepherds. We're just servants. We follow the good shepherd, as we'll learn later on in John chapter 10. We follow him, and we follow him together, and we help one another along the way. To me, it's a blessing to read that our shepherd goes before us. And that gives me a couple things. Number one, it's comforting to know that whatever I walk into, Jesus has already been there. He knows about it, and it's no surprise. He's already gone out before. You know, as he was looking for those pasture lands and still waters, he goes before me. I love what Psalm 139 verse 5 says. It says, you have hedged me behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. My shepherd, he goes before me. And secondly, it's a blessing to know that Jesus won't push me, drive me, or beat me. <laughs> won't take advantage of me as his sheep. He leads me. He calls me, he invites me, I hear his voice, but he doesn't treat me like cattle. He doesn't push me, make me, prod me, guilt me. Our good shepherd leads. And every leader in the church, every mom and dad, every aunt and uncle, all of us in positions of leadership, we are the most effective when we lead by example. It's not, leadership is not barking orders. Leadership is not doing our own thing. Leadership is not telling someone to do something that you haven't done first yourself. We are most effective in leading for Jesus when we lead people by example. In saying and doing. As Jesus taught us, letting our yes be yes. With no exceptions. Sheep, Jesus says, don't know the voice of strangers. It's not that they don't, it's not like we don't hear the voice of stranger. I mean, imagine where we've been right now uh, in the last many, many weeks, quarantine, stay at home. What, so now what happens? You read, this guy has a theory over here, this thing over here, we got this thing over here, I got my own opinions, Aunt Mary has her opinions, every, I mean, voice after voice after voice after voice. But only one of those voices sounds like the Lord because only one of those voices is the Lord. And as we root ourselves in the word of God, we hear, it's not like you don't hear them. It's not like you can't hear them. Obviously, people are going to say things. You're going to see some on YouTube, on Facebook. It's not that you don't hear them physically. It's that you don't pay attention to them because that's not your shepherd. And that's a conscious choice you have to make. You have to hear 
conclude that's not, that doesn't sound like God, and avoid them. And certainly on so-called Christian TV today, in man-made religions and cults, we, we hear what they're saying, but it's not the Lord. That's not the God of the Bible. It's not the Jesus that revealed. It's not the good shepherd. And so it encourages me that I'm not even responsible to sort out all the voices. I just need to listen for one. If I listen for one, I can follow my shepherd and leave all the false ones behind. Spiritually, Jesus is speaking to all these false teachers, which would be a great rebuke to those that were listening to him. These guys are robbers. They're liars. They're thieves. We have to be careful as we live in the last days, as we wind down here, because in the last days, we're warned. Hold your place in John. We really haven't moved anywhere. I've given you verses. Would you go back to the right in 2 Timothy chapter 4? Just turn back to 2. If you're on a tablet or a phone, just click it through. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, because Paul gives young Timothy a very, very strong warning. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 3, I'm reading from the New King James, he says, For the time will come when they, speaking of believers, will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. They're not going to hear the shepherd's voice. They're going to literally turn their ears away. But you be watchful in all things, verse 5. Endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Even here in the context of our own fellowship, I received a report from a brother recently that one of his co-laborers has not only left the place of leadership in their church, but, but he's also turned his back on God and renounced God and declared himself not to be a believer. You know, you know how painful that is to hear and how painful it was? I mean, I got on the phone right away and began to talk with his brother to encourage him because it's, it's hard enough in the ministry that he's in. And then it's doubly hard when his right-hand man steps away. And then it's triply hard when that man that he served with so many years denounces Christ. But we have found during this time of difficulty that all kinds of thoughts and things keep popping up and there's this temptation to walk away. But the Bible says that you and I have need of endurance. And to keep hearing the shepherd's voice of how much he cares for you and loves you and takes care of us. These last days, they're not coming. We're there. Peter warned against it in 2 Peter chapter 2. Paul warned against it in Acts chapter 20. All around us. And we're seeing it happen. Today, there isn't just a lack of endurance, but there's an outright resistance to sound doctrine. There's a dumbing down of the Bible. In some cases, many churches don't even use the Bible anymore. They use someone else's book or someone else's teaching or their own opinions when we need the Word of God in our lives. And it's sad as a pastor to see so many false teachers ripping off the church. And it's also sad to see so few people really wanting to know the Word of God, really wanting to know what God has to say. But I commend you. I commend you here, I commend you there as a church family being hungry and thirsty for the Word of God that you would take in. And I, I think it's a great encouragement to be a part of a church family. You, you don't really know how appetizing the Word of God is until you start eating it and feasting on it. 
And then you want more, you want more, you want more. As God introduces a new food into your life, you're like, I really like that. And then if an, he introduces a new food that you really don't like, but he keeps serving you, you're like, okay, I'll take it. If, if you want to serve me Brussels sprouts, all right, I'll take it. I don't want it all the time, but I'll take it. And maybe, 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 just maybe, you might develop an appetite for it along the way. But God, our shepherd, loves you. And maybe you're listening to me today and you've never, you've never committed your life to following the shepherd. I want to invite you to do that today. Because God, he is inviting you to follow him. He's inviting you to follow him just like here in the text. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It says in verse 5, They will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers, and Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand the things he spoke to him. But today, of all these years of not understanding, today God has opened your eyes. And he's instructed you to repent of your sins. That's the way out, friend. To acknowledge where you are in life. And to accept the free gift. See, Jesus, he came to institute a new covenant. That we don't approach God by our own religious works. We don't follow the rules of an organization, of a church. Of a, we, don't, we don't follow the rules to be saved. You can't. But you can't come to Jesus. You can't surrender your life to him. Do you know the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved? You know why? Because the Bible says with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And if that's you today, I want to invite you, watching online, listening live on Grace FM on the radio right now, here in the room, wherever you might be, I want to invite you to follow Jesus Christ. And as you just heard from Pastor Ed Taylor, you too can be forgiven. You need only to turn to Jesus and follow him. It's exciting to discover that you can learn to hear his voice as you read and study his word, the Bible. This is Abounding Grace. You can hear these radio programs on our website any time of the day or night at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. We couldn't be more excited about the new book Pastor Ed has written, and it couldn't come at a better time. It's called God's Help for the Troubled Heart. I don't have to convince you that people are suffering in large measure all around us. And maybe you have been too. You've been laid off at work, or you recently got the virus, or are disturbed by what's happened in the recent election. You're anxious and greatly troubled. Well, God wants to meet you right where you're at. This book will remind you that Jesus will bring you through your trial, and you're not alone. Request a copy of God's Help for the Troubled Heart today. Maybe order an extra one, too, to give to a friend. We'll send it to you for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. Well, Pastor Ed, our listeners can now text us for prayer. Would you share that number and encourage our listeners to take advantage of this? Yeah, Larry, we opened up this number. I don't know why we didn't do this earlier, but all the restrictions and COVID and everything has caused us to really innovate and think outside the box. You know, just when you think you are thinking of outside the box, circumstances arise where it really forces you to. And as we were praying and thinking about how to minister to people when we can't gather together regularly or people have to stay home because they're uh, immuno 
deficient or whatever it might be, we open up this line. Here's the number. You ready? 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. That is a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week text prayer line. So if you need prayer, just text us. Don't don't leave a message. We don't answer it, and we don't check the messages. It's only for texting. So text us your prayer request. Uh, it's connected to the church, connected to Abounding Grace. It's connected to our radio station here uh, in Colorado called Grace FM. Uh, and we will pray. We have a we we send that those prayer requests to our pastors, to our church staff, to their wives and the pastors' wives, and then also to our prayer team. And we just pray for you. And here's the number again, 720-336-0897. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And typically you will get an answer during uh, regular business hours. But if you text overnight, we'll get it and we'll pray. So text us your prayer requests. We'd love to stand with you before the throne room of grace. Again, if you'd like to text us for prayer, call 720-336-0897. Well, that will do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will again open the word in search of abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.